Thought Bubble Audio. Up in the sky! You will never find the more wretched hive of scum and villainy. Welcome to Beer with Geeks with Tim and Frank. Who <laughs> are I'm Batman. I am Iron Man. Your friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. Hi, Christopher. I'm Nero. My name is Inigo Montoya. You're a wizard, Harry. A couple of guys with a couple of beers and a whole lot of pop culture nostalgia. Make it so, number one. Ladies and gentlemen, the Beatles! Name the dog in the ant. Life finds a way. I am serious. And don't call me Shirley. Now sit back and crack open a cold one. Because it's time for Beer with Geeks. It comes in pints? Shaken, not stirred. Great Scott! I was way off. I knew it started with an S, though. Hi, and welcome to Beer with Geeks, where two geeks geek out with beer. I'm Tim, and with me, as always, is my friend who is sad, Frank. How are you today? Oh, I am sad. I'm sad. But I'm doing all right. How are you? I am also a little sad. I am not going to beat around the bush, Franklin Nelson. Ah. Ah, see what I did there? I mm-hmm. do see what you did there. Yeah, great. So, Frank, we're here to honor the memory of Stanley Lieber, otherwise known as Stan Lee, mm-hmm. the the Marvel giant, you know, who he really created... Was. Who created the Marvel Giant, the really big Marvel book? Um, he was a giant man in his own right, Frank. I mean, honestly, he was the captain of the American industry that is Marvel Comics. Mm-hmm. You know, truly a man made out of iron. Will <laughs> <laughs> he had that? He had that X factor. You know, he was a real X man. He did. He was a hulking presence in the comic book industry, if not, indeed, the entire world. Exactly, and he was fantastic for decades. Mm, decades, Frank. You are you are absolutely correct. You know, even with his silver surfing hair, you know, there really was... <laughs> I think Stan would have liked this. I think so too. He would. <laughs> I think he'd be. I think we'd be okay with the puns. Oh my goodness, he would have loved it. So anyway, so yeah. Stanley passed yeah. away. R.I.P. R.I.P. November twelfth, ninety-five years old. Nineteen born, nineteen twenty-two. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I believe that would, means he would have been older than Scotch tape and sliced bread. Sliced bread. Yeah. Yeah, for that yep. matter. Um, crazy, and so so passed away ninety five year ninety five years old. Stanley felt like a man who wouldn't die. I know, he, I know. We all kind of hoped, right? <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Because he has just been a he's just been a fixture of American of Americana for for so many decades. And the interesting thing is that he really didn't start doing the work that everyone knows him for until kind of the second half of his life. You know, he was like in his 40s or so when he started developing the heroes and the characters that he's best known for. Right. Well, I as the story goes, so he started working at what was then Timely Comics in uh in the 1930s. He was 18 years old and he got the job because I think his cousin worked for mm. Timely Comics. I think it was his cousin and and he was just like a 
copy boy, right? He was just a paper pusher or anything like that. And then he, and then he went off to war like so many, so like so many people did. And then he came back and he wrote westerns and romance comics and monster comics where he made up where Stanley got those really definable, like really definable Stanley monster sounds like Gru, yeah, yeah, and all those like just nonsense words that became monster, right? You know, Groot the giant tree and all that kind of thing. And so it wasn't until. It wasn't until 1960, 1960, 1960, 1961, that um, Martin Goodwin and Julia Schwartz, publishers of Marvel Comic or Timely Comics and DC Comics and the National Comics, were, as the legend goes, having this golf match, right? And they and DC had just released Justice League number one to a huge success, you know, All-Star Comics number eight and then Justice League number one, you know, like, hey, you know, like we've made a lot of money putting all of our superheroes in one book together. And it's great because we didn't have to create anybody new. We just threw the characters together that people knew from other stories. And now they're getting them in one book, you know, and they're going to pay more money. And so Martin Goodwin was like, hey, that's a great idea. And so he went to Stan Lee who was like, I want to quit comics. I hate doing this. And his he wife, wanted to be a novelist. Wanted to be a novelist. He was. That's why we know him as Stan Lee. He was saving his real name, Stanley Lieber, for quote the great American novel that he would never actually write. Right. But I mean, if he had actually done that, we probably wouldn't be talking about him the way that we're talking about him right now. Yeah. Which is insane. Yeah. And so his wife said, well, why don't you just write a book that like the way you want to write it? And this kind of coincided with Martin Goodwin coming into his office and saying, hey, I want you to create a superhero team book. I I need you to create the superhero team book. And he says, "Okay." And so he did. And he created the Fantastic Four. Right. And what's so special about the Fantastic Four in a lot of ways, not only just being Stan Lee's creation uh, but if you take a look at that first issue they're not even wearing costumes right they're just in so many ways regular people yeah and then when they finally get costumes quote-unquote costumes from jack kirby they're just blue jumpsuits right they're just they're basically it's a uniform stanley was so he just wanted superheroes so badly to be relatable like you said if they're if you don't like them and they're not not even if you don't like them but if they're just not relatable then i then get off of my page mm-hmm. he strove to make the readers part of the story and that includes even being part of the marvel comics business with you know with stan's stan soapbox and like the mar the merry marching marvel society and like all this different stuff that was like that made the readers feel like they were part of a secret club right. and it's weird because like i didn't grow up with stan's was writing comics he had moved on way past our time of reading comics right but i still felt the remnants of what he was doing in the 60s and 70s all the way up into the 90s and the 2000s right this merry marching marvel society like feeling like you're part of a club and that you're that you find like belong somewhere and that was stanley's really thing that everybody belongs somewhere and that 
we should really push the, when I say everyone, I mean everyone, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. This mm-hmm. was a man who introduced the first black superhero into comics with, with the Black Panther, right? I mean, this is not you know, he's not like uh he's not like just a a guy who's like, "Oh, this is a popular thing that people were doing." He was doing it before anybody else was doing it. And that's mm-hmm. That's huge, and yep. I, I, his importance on the comic industry obviously cannot be overstated. We don't get modern entertainment the way that it is without Stan Lee. It just doesn't exist. It doesn't. Comic books existed long before him, sort of. I mean, he was alive when they were created, but I mean, the important like comic story, comic stories were in decades when he was around. But modern comic storytelling comes from Stan Lee. Yep. And it also comes from important people around him, like Steve Ditko and Jack Kirby. And, you know, there's always those stories about, you know, the the feuds between Jack Kirby and and Stan Lee and how Jack probably did do a lot of the storytelling, you know, and Stan Lee really just went in and filled in the words. But you can't underestimate his power, Stan's power as an editor, as a showman. I think that the Marvel released uh, like a four minute tribute video to him and in there so I can't remember who it is I think it might be Joe Casada who's the chief creative officer I think he, it would think it was him that he talks about like the P.T. Barnum aspect of mm, Stan yep, Lee yep. Stanley could sell himself as Stan Lee just as well as he could sell one of his creations yeah. or some even somebody else's creation it's pretty pretty amazing Frank you say some things about Stan Lee now he really was, you know, as much as it's pretty well documented, a lot of the disputes he had with his fellow, you know, co-creators, he really was the architect of the modern, you know, comic book storytelling um, system and uh, of the modern d- devices that are that are used in, uh, in, in comic books. And yeah, it, it does start in many ways with, with Fantastic Four. Yeah, that's while as you said while comics had existed for decades and while even the fantastic four was meant to be a oh justice league is doing well let's have our own version as much as that's all true it's still it's still like you have to see the 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 really really significant contributions he made and the groundbreaking approach that he had of making heroes relatable Prior to Stan Lee and to to his prior to his success, heroes were were by design up on a hill, the up on a pedestal. They were, you know, they they would come down to to save the humans and sort of be separate all the time, right? I mean, you had, of course, Bruce Wayne lived among the people, Clark Kent lived among the people. You know, you you, you had that, of course, but. They were set apart and better in a way, and they were figures to be, uh, you know, lauded and and appreciated. And Stan's heroes were much more human, much more personable, much more like the readers. Again, by design, because he thought like, well, you know, what he had this novel, but but pretty straightforward idea of like well what if what if the what if the superhero was it was a teenager and he had all the regular teenager problems right and that's spider-man is the first teenage superhero right there were a lot of sidekicks before spider-man rolled around they were always sidekicks but they were always sidekicks spider-man is the first one to be like hey 
I'm I'm just a kid. Yeah. And I wear a full body suit so I can literally be anybody. Right. You right. Like, right. Absolutely. Is, right. He you could anybody could be Spider-Man. It's one of the staying powers of that character, but even Stan's brilliance I think in that in that first Spider-Man issue is can't really be overstated because the issue kind of starts with everyone just everyone the issue starts with everyone making fun of Peter Parker in the worst way. I mean like in the worst way is it's very after school special kind of making fun of yeah, you know to yeah. get its point across. But but Peter, like in that story, even deliberately, like one day I'll show them, I'll show them all. And yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Very easily could go the supervillain route in That's that true. very moment. Like, That's oh my true. god, I'll show them all. My god. And so, but what's crazy about that that issue? So much happens. Ready, right? you know, he gets bullied, he gets bit by a spider, and he decides to make money. And you see his aunt and uncle love him, and then he, you know, he lets the robber go, and he. You know, and and you know his uncle Ben dies because of it. Spoiler, um, and so um, he gets boiled. No, he doesn't get it because rice. Um, wow, I know. So, um, and so all of this, and Peter, you know, hunts down the guy, and he, he says, oh, "It's my fault. I could have stopped him, but I didn't." You know, great power comes great responsibility. Stan even said, "Quoted a throwaway line." Didn't think that with great power comes great responsibility would be a thing that would follow him the rest of his life. And yet, and yet, there it was. But what's crazy about Spider-Man is that it starts with Peter getting bullied and he's sad and angry and depressed and then he gets superpowers and he makes money and like all this different and gets a cool costume all this stuff in the very last panel of that first issue of Spider-Man or Amazing Fantasy 15 is Peter walking home in the Spider-Man costume not swinging it's not triumphant he is sad realizing that he could have saved his he could have saved his uncle's life. Like they'd still all be together if he had just done something. Yeah. And so instead of Spider-Man triumphantly swinging into the sunset, being like, "Save the day, go me." Love being a superhero. He's walk walking home, sad. Not driving. Not taking the subway. Not swinging by a web. He's walking. Ultimate. Like it's a crazy. Like it's it, it's a crazy up and down through the whole through the whole issue, and that's where Stanley's brilliance really shone through with moments like that. You know, it wasn't just about being a superhero; it was about who else was under it was who else was under that mask. Yes, and that's where a lot of a lot of stories like Bruce Wayne was just the vehicle to get so he could be Batman, right. You know, and and he didn't get that. He didn't get that with Stanley. And I, it's a, it's an amazing thing. Do you remember the first Stanley comic you ever read? Uh, it probably was Amazing Fantasy fifteen. Um, really? Yeah, yeah. Uh, the first thing that it, like act, you know, an, an issue actually written by him. Yeah, it probably was Amazing Fantasy fifteen around the time that the Sam Raimi Spider Man. Uh, first one came out. Oh, um, cool. Yep, yep. I I remember getting that DVD and watching the hell out of the bonus features, and mm-hmm. there were a whole bunch of featurettes and things on that on that DVD where they talked. Um, they talked about you know the the origin of the character and the first appearance and all that stuff, 
And I, I really, really was interested in that and, and went ahead and found Amazing Fantasy 15 and read it. And it was like, oh, this is a really, like, what a... And at the time, I wasn't used to that sort of style of writing. And if you look back, you know, well, as much as it is groundbreaking, it, it's, a, it's a slower-paced, different style of writing. Oh, boy, isn't it? <laughs> and yeah. much more wordy. And much less uh, flashy, and it's just a, not not the same as modern writing. But uh, so I, I was like, "Oh wow, I, this is like this is how comics used to be. Like this is this is how the Silver Age of comics what was." And I learned a lot about the Silver Age of comics just from 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 doing that, and actually read a bunch of other stuff too. I actually time. I actually have the um, first issue of Fantastic Four open right in front of me. Oh, nice. Calm down, it's a reprint. Mm-hmm. People out there, I don't have billions of dollars. Or do I? No, not anymore. No, because I spent it on Fantastic Four number one. Right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, um, so the first issue. So here are the first Stanley words. Here, are you ready? With a sudden, with the sudden fury of a thunderbolt, a flare is shot across the sky over Central City. Three awesome words take form as if by magic, and a legend is born. Two exclamation points. Because that was Stan, exclamation points on everything. Oh, yes. He oh, loved yes. those He loved those exclamation points. So, But you're right. That's, that's just one panel. And then the next panel, and then there's some dialogue. And then the next panel, above all the hubbub and excitement, one strange figure holds a still-smoking flare gun. One strange man who is somehow more than just a man, for he is the leader of the Fantastic Four. It's crazy. It's like, that's a whole paragraph for one panel right you'd never get that today no never 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 ever it would just the art you would let the art kind of tell the story totally and what's crazy as as stan's style really kind of evolves you know his that writing never really stops you like he stan loved to talk and he loved to write and so you never really see that go away like like really except until when you get into the 70s i'd say that's really when he starts to really focus more on dialogue than anything else mm, um, okay yeah my first my first issue of a stanley comic as i'm sure you were wondering i'm sure you weren't but that i'm going to tell next, you any- that was my next question yeah i'm going to tell you anyway yeah um, so I re- when I was a kid, my parents got me a book called Spider-Man versus the Green Goblin. Oh, I, yes. I still have it. It's right we here. talked about this. Yes, yes. Yeah, it's still right here. Was that your first graphic novel ever? First comic book ever? Uh, I would say it's my first graphic novel ever, yeah. too. Yeah. It's just my, actually, I'm holding on to my second copy, A Cat that we used to have tore up my first copy uh-huh. naturally so um so i had to get a i had to get another one just cuz it was you know my first one of course yeah and so it has amazing spider-man 17 the return of the green goblin and then 90 amazing spider-man 96 and now the goblin and amazing spider-man 97 and the grip of the goblin and 98 the goblin's last grasp so that's four stanley that's four Stan Lee books. Nice. Till Amazing Spider Man ninety eight and then Jerry Conway takes over in one twenty one the night Gwen Stacy died. Spoiler. 
um, the one twenty two Goblins Last Stand, and then Best of Enemies, Spider Spectacular Spider Man two hundred. So I had four Stan Lee comics to read. Wow, you know, over and over and over again, some Ditko stuff and whatever. And I cannot tell you how many times I just read this stuff over and over and over and over again. I loved Stanley's dialogue. Sure. Sure, of course. I, I don't know why, even particularly as a kid, I think it was just something really dynamic about it. And that came, and that later came across in his personality. And as you know, like watching those, um, watching those VHS tapes of, you know, Spider-Man and, you know, Spider-Man is amazing friends. And, you know, he would always narrate over all of those, yeah. over all of those cartoons because when he moved on from, comic publishing he moved to, to Hollywood to basically sell the license of all these characters to make cartoons and movies and all of this stuff and so and but he, he would he spent decades trying to trying to make a Spider-Man movie happen like that was that was like 20 years in the making by the time it happened exactly and I mean the projects that originally came out that he fought for are can we say not great most of them are a lot really, of them are not a lot of them are not great, but they they just paved the way for something even better. And so by the time Stan died just a few days ago, you know, he saw, I think it was you that had said to me, you know, like he saw his last ditch effort to make a comic book that he wanted to make basically turn itself into the worldwide entertainment industry. Yeah. I mean, uh, Marvel is the biggest thing in entertainment right now. I mean, it is it is on it is in it's in comics, yes, but it's in TV, it's in movies. They're like the highest grossing films of of the day, you know, it's it just this morning we were talking with our with our uh, our group text and somebody said uh, you know, wait, wh- when's the next Marvel movie coming out? Where there was only, you know, how many did we get our winter Marvel movie for the year? Like these are things we we like plan our year around is when's the next Marvel movie coming? Um, when's Avengers four coming, you know, like these are the things that we look forward to. And this all is out of the mind of this man, or at least, you know, co-created by this man. And he championed these characters to be on the big screen. And, you know, it took him years and years and years, but he finally did it. And, you know, he lived to be 95 years old to do like 30 cameos in these movies. And with more, with more coming too, with with, with more on the way. Yeah. They pre-filmed some. Yeah, it um yeah, they pre-filmed like nine cameos or something like that. That many. Yeah, and they they used some they've used some already. Oh, they've, I see. they've used some of those. So I'm not sure how many are left. I'd say maybe a handful. I'd sure. say between maybe 3 or maybe 2 to 4. Sure. Um are left, but still like that's we're going to still see some stand. Yeah. Which is pretty which is pretty great. It's, it's not like 4 is a good one or two years worth of of cameos. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, even I th- it's funny because like talking about the, like these Marvel movies and everything like that, even it's not just Marvel movies. It's most of them are his characters in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Right. Yep. So if you watch that uh, original Avengers film, that first one, um, Captain America is Joe Simon and Jack Kirby. Right. So let's push that to the side. Black Widow is. <sighs> I don't know who Black Widow is actually. One look up. Um, 
do can you do a one yes. lookup double lookup Nick Fury and Black Widow? <laughs> so you're because, losing both of our lookups because yeah, thanks. I was um, <laughs> it, thanks because uh, I'm I'm fairly certain that neither are created by Stanley. I'm actually almost 100 percent positive that neither are created by Stanley. Um, Iron Man is his creation. Iron Man was made on a bet. Somebody met him that he, he couldn't make an unlikable superhero. And he was like, well, I'll show you. This guy's going to be a jerk and a weapons, like a weapons manufacturer. And now Iron Man is one of literally the most popular superheroes on the planet. I know, right? Crazy. Um, uh, Natasha Romanoff was created by editor and plotter Stan Lee, scripter Don Rico, and artist Don Heck. Well, there you go. So, So Natasha was... So that means that in the original Avengers lineup, Iron Man is created by Stan Lee, Hulk is created by Stan Lee, Black Widow is created by Stan Lee, um, Captain America is not. Nick, Nick Fury was created by Jack Kirby and Stan Lee. And Stan, Nick Fury is created by Stan Lee. Um, it's, Hawkeye is not created by Stan Lee, let's say. If he is, that means that every Avenger... I mean, you can't even really count Nick Fury because he's just, you know, he's he's Shield. Yeah. But, but that mean that makes sense because Shield is a Stanley creation. Yeah, so of course sense. Nick Fury would be a Stanley creation. That of course sure. makes sense. Yeah. Um. So, so yeah, he created all of those characters. He created all of those characters, or, or let's say he was involved in the creation of all those characters. That's right. Yeah, because let's say Black Widow was probably more Don Heck and uh, who whoever you said the the writer uh, was another Don. Yeah, Don Heck Don, and. Strick, Strick, um, Ricklin, Rick, Rico, Rico, um, right. So that's that's just that, you know. But then, but then you get, you know, the second movie with uh, Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver and Ultron and you know, oh, Loki and Thor, obviously, obviously. you know, obviously, technically, also didn't really create them, yeah. You know, but you know, but still, they're there. They were they were his book. It's just it's just crazy that like it's not just like oh Stanley created one or two of them no he made all of them yeah you know we just we just did an episode on Daredevil season three thank you Stanley you right. know that's a stan that's a Stanley creation now the reason that character is kind of beloved the way that it is now is because of Frank Miller not because of Stan Lee just kind of in the way that the X Men are beloved because of Chris Claremont not really because of Stan Lee. You know, X Men didn't sell well. Understand, right? 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 You know, but that doesn't, you know, discontinue the fact that, or discount the fact that, you know, he created them. It, it's insane. It's an. It, it's completely insane. It's it's crazy. It's crazy the amount of the the number and and the just the vastness of of the uh, characters he created. You mentioned something earlier about Spider Man that. Uh, Spider-Man, you know, because he's in a full body suit and a mask, he could be anybody. And I I got to, uh, just last week, I got to see Brian Michael Bendis speak at MIT. He gave a lecture, the Julius Schwartz le- lecture, which, by the way, is up on YouTube, and I'll, I'll put a link in the show notes. Oh, great. Um, it's long. It's an hour and 45 minutes, but it was a great, it was a great, it was more of a Q&A session. Um, and uh, it was delightful and wonderful but um also he mentioned uh, exactly what you just what you just said um so so yeah like he uh he said like th- that was so important to him as a you know young 
kid growing up in I think it was Cleveland uh Bendis said like that was the fact that Spider-Man could be anybody was huge to me but I didn't it didn't dawn on me he said until he he's um Bendis is the father of I think four or five and his his he's a, it's a multiracial family his kids are adopted and they're all different backgrounds and he said it wasn't until I became a father of a multiracial family that I realized just how important it was you know that that my kids like any of my kids could play Spider-Man, you know, like they'll play with their friends and someone will be like, okay, you be this character, you be that character, you know, because you be Black Panther because you're, you're black, you be this kid because you're white, whatever. But anybody could be Spider-Man. And that, and that, that really, I thought that was very powerful and really, really, you know, beautiful that, that, that there's a character that anyone can see themselves as. We talk about representation and how it's, how great it is that Black Panther was such a hit and, and such a good movie and everything. But like the fact that anybody can be Spider-Man and you've got, You've got uh, a Miles Morales, you know, animated movie um, hitting theaters. That's pretty awesome. Mm-hmm. That's pretty awesome for people who are who grew up feeling like they they weren't represented somewhere. So you know, that's a big contribution that that Stanley gave us. Um, uh, so that that is, you know, that's n- nothing small and, and definitely is worth mentioning. Um, do you remember his DC books? Yes, the Stanley imagined. Just like, imagine, yeah, DC, yeah. Uh, Stanley's Batman, but Stanley's Superman. That was. Um, it was um th- that was that maybe not his best work, but they're very interesting. <laughs> um, they're very very interesting. He did like ten or twelve of them, and uh, uh, they're they're. It's interesting to see his take on. Let's take these godlike heroes and make them, you know, sort of, sort of normal normal uh characters as as he does um and yeah it was mm-hmm. it was a really interesting experiment it, it was an interesting thought experiment yeah, yeah they're they're not like you said they're not like anything to necessarily write home about like that's not the version of let's say batman that i want to see right um but i love that they gave him that chance even dc was like you know that was what they're they actually posted was this you know, Stanley imagine, you yeah. know, like, hey, you know, he was important on both sides of the pond or whatever. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's great. Uh, to kind of wrap up our conversation, what was your favorite? What's your favorite Stanley cameo? Oh, that's easy. Uh, it's uh, Amazing Spider-Man in the library. Yeah, that's mine, too. Yeah, it's the best one. That's it's the best one. It's so good. It's hilarious when they're just, everyone, they're just fighting, the lizard and Spider-Man just fighting behind him. It's a great, it's, it's a great scene. I also like um, Age of Ultron, where he's the World War II vet, and he's like, you're just trying to scare us. Oh, coming. yeah, And sure. then he, like, he leaves drunk. He's like, Excelsior. What's the- yes, I forgot he says it in that one. It's Excelsior. <laughs> I love when they do, when they, in spite, I think it's Spider-Man 3, where he's like, well, I guess someone can make a difference. Nuff said. And then he, that's a good yeah, one. Yeah, Nuff said. Yeah. I know. Love it. Yeah. Oh, it, it's yeah. so good. His Mall Rats cameo is great. Yes, I just rewatched Mall Rats a couple months ago. Did you really? In a while, and I'd forgotten that he'd done a cameo. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, so many good ones. What's the one where he's a bus driver? Bus driver is he's a bus driver. Yeah, I don't remember. Well, we use our lookup, so I guess I guess we'll just have to leave that one to bus drive he, he drives a truck in Thor. oh maybe it's a truck maybe it's you know truck, like where yeah. he pulls the like they're trying to get mjolnir and it mimia 
and, and yeah, like yeah. the bu- the bumper falls off, and he's like, "Did we get it?" Oh yeah, that's the one. That's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah is that yeah, what you're thinking that's of? That's the one. That's yeah, the he, one. He's on a bus in Doctor Strange. Oh okay. Okay. Yeah, he's reading some trippy philosophy book or like an MC Ector book or something like that. MC is that what is that what it, the artist the trippy stairs? MC Escher. Yeah, MC but Escher, you know what? Yeah, I just remembered. No, 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 no. I'm thinking of when he's the school bus driver in uh, Spider-Man: Homecoming. Is I don't remember that at all. When they're when they're uh, when they're. They are going to, and I don't remember. I'm trying to remember off the top of my head, but it's it's. Oh no! Wait a second. It wasn't Spider-Man: Homecoming. It was wasn't it Infinity War? Oh, when I Peter, think that yep. when Peter is it when Peter asks Ned for a distraction. Yes, that's right. Yeah, you are correct. You are absolutely correct. Yeah, yeah, that's what I was thinking of. But the Thor one is so is is better. Honestly, did I get it? Yeah, I love that. I love oh, that one in Winter Soldier where the the uh, costume is gone. And oh he, yeah, and, and he's like, "Oh man, I am so fired." Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's a really good one too. That's a great oh, one. So many good ones. There's it's great. so many he's good great. ones, and of course his his starring role as Willie Lumpkin in the Fantastic Four films. Yeah. The, the actual Marvel character Willie Lumpkin. Oh man, oh. yeah. It's great stuff. I'm going to miss Stan Lee a lot. Not that I knew him, but I was really close to him once. Did I tell you this? No, um, tell me. I, I was at uh, I was at a convention that he was at, and he was kind of mobbed on the floor. It sure. wasn't like a, but he had just stopped to talk to people. Like it wasn't like a. Oh no, I don't have time for you. Like someone was like, Oh hey, it's Stan. And like and he was like, Oh hi. And then he just kind of had this little crowd around him, it's and everyone happen. was super respectful. And everything like that, but I was probably like, I don't know, ten feet maybe from wow. him, something like that. That's he cool. was taller than I thought. He was tall. Hmm. I was kind of surprised. One, I read a story just today about Stanley from. Um, this was I actually don't know what film this was um, from, but one of the last ones from the last couple of years. Um, this uh, actor who had a sort of a small part was going to get to have uh i was going to be working with stan during his cameo in whichever film this was and they kept saying you know all right you got to shoot the scene and then stan has to be up by five and they kept saying all day long stan's got to be up by five stan's got to be up by five you got to pick it up pick up the pace we're running behind stan's got to be up by five and he finally gets to go over and say hello to stan and he's like oh you know i don't know you know you don't know me but i've been a big fan of your work and he's like, oh that's great oh are you my co-star okay you're my co-star great 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 <laughs> and uh so he kept calling him his co-star or whatever. And he's like, you know, you made your work meant so much to me. Oh, that's that's you know, that that's great. Thank you, thank you so much. You know, whatever. And uh, at the end, it's 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 five o'clock, and they've only shot half of what they need from Stan. And they go to him, and they're like, Stan, we're really sorry. Um, and we know it's five o'clock, and and you have to go. And he just sort of stares blankly. And it's like, oh, his his handlers said that he had to be out by five. He didn't actually have to. Okay, got it. And he's like, well, well, we know we had to be out by. You have to be out by five. Uh, can can you know? Do you think you could stay for another thirty minutes or so? And he's uh, and he's like, uh, well, you know, we should we should stay until it's done, right? And his handler comes over. and He's like, yeah, but remember, you have um, Joni's waiting for you at home with dinner. That's Whoa. why he had to be out by five was because his That's wife was waiting so with dinner on the table. Cute. So he calls her and he's like, oh, Joni, we need another, you know, it's going to be a little, 
we need another 30 minutes to finish the scene. She goes, okay, you boys have fun. And then he stays and they finish the scene. That's hilarious. I love that. I just love everything about that. It just melted my heart. Like I just love his, that. He just needed to get home to have just to have dinner, dinner with, with his, his wife. wife of 70 years. You know, that's just so beautiful. Amazing. I, beautiful. I, I remember the beginning part of that story. I can't remember. I can't remember what I, I want to say. It was Robert Downey Jr. Mm. or something like that. Um, but uh, I can't. But I uh, I can't remember exactly. But. I do remember that that beginning part of the story. Okay, you're my co-star. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're like, oh my god, you're whoever you are. You're, you yeah. know, Chris Hemsworth or Chris Evans whoever. or whoever. That's awesome. I re- I regret that I never I never got to see him at a convention. I never met him. I never, you know, I wasn't gonna pay four hundred dollars for a photo op. But now part of me is like, maybe I should have. <laughs> you know, I, you know, cause I I had that thought today because I had those opportunities. Yeah, and I just didn't I didn't take them. And but you know what? you can only yeah you know. i'm trying to remember if i ever saw him like from across the convention hall or or something but i don't think i did but yeah yeah so i'm t- i saw him give a i saw him give a talk and i saw him oh cool yeah he was great he was so dynamic it was just exactly what you would what you would think yeah it was great yeah well oh. mm-hmm. enough said enough said frank now see we we rolled right into it so to cap off what are you drinking uh, I am drinking a uh, so you've heard of New Belgium Fat Tire. I have, but this is a uh, this is a New Belgium Fat Tire Belgian White. Ooh, is, yeah. So it's it's different from your your typical Fat Tire, uh, which I think is an ale. Um, but this one is a Belgian White, and it is wonderful. It is a Belgian style delicious white ale, and I am a big fan of it. That sounds amazing. Yeah, it's real good. It, it I got it in a, in a like variety pack with a bunch of other New Belgian stuff. So um, yeah, I I recommend checking it out if you uh, if you get the chance. What have you been drinking? So Frank, I have recently um, had to go gluten free. Yes, um, not by choice. God, not by choice. Yeah, <laughs> right. I, I will miss you, gluten. <laughs> but um, so I have turned to omission brewing company the gluten-free beer because lord knows they've been my savior Mm. now there are four different types of omission beer frank i'm not sure if you're aware of this so there is their traditional lager which we've had on the show before i am having an omission pale ale nice they're hoppy and easy drinking gluten-free beer it's really good the hops the hops are really there and i I, but it's still it's still light like you don't feel like you know your stomach wants to explode at the end you know yeah sometimes mine does so it's pretty i'm i omission is great i'm so happy they're around me too i i really like their stuff you had the light the light golden ale last time or a couple weeks ago i think so yeah the ultimate light is what it's called ultimate light okay yeah yeah and so now you got the pale ale nice solid solid i love their stuff it it really doesn't taste or drink any differently than a, a, a beer that has gluten in it. It's it's unbelievable to me that there it's a gluten free beer. It's mm-hmm. incredible. It's awesome. I love yep. it. Yep. So good. Well, good, Frank. So uh, you can find us on the internet, beerwithgeeks.com, and Gmail and Facebook and Twitter at beerwithgeeks. You can, of course, rate and review us on iTunes and find us on Spotify and Google Play and all their podcast listening apps. And, of course, you can head over to patreon.com slash 
thoughtable audio to give us even a buck a month to keep the lights on you know 25 cents a week it's not that bad um, all it and takes. you get all the fun audio content that is out there uh, a lot of it is supergirl related but you also get a lot of behind the scenes cut stuff that frank and i are just riff on stuff for whatever reason we want to and because sometimes we're just recording and get off topic before we even yeah. start technically recording an episode Plus, you get episodes of this show before they go out to the public. Right. Exactly. And do we do that with other shows, Frank, or is it just this one? We've been known to do it with Academy Rewind as well. Oh, well, Frank, that's just just the other show that I do. It's crazy, isn't it? it? Oh, my goodness. Crazy. Listen to it. Anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, so that is it. You can find me at TimothyPG13 on Twitter, and you can find Frank at Frank Ramblings. Yes, His sir. real last name, believe that, it or not. Sure, we'll go with that. Mm-hmm. Yep, absolutely. Yep. All right, well then, until next time, for Stan, Excelsior! Excelsior.